Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Would you please stand for the reading of the word? Um, This is a long one. So in um, Andrew's words, buckle up. It's going to be good and worth it. I don't know about you, but I've been really enjoying when we read the word this way. So Numbers 22, 9 through 35. I believe I get to read to you one of the really fun scriptures that I really like. Okay. God came to Balaam and asked, who are... Balaam said to God... Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not curse, put a curse on those people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak, Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Black's princes, go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite prince, princess, prince, princes, returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other princes more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely. Hint, hint, I'm going to pay you good. And do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now stay here tonight as the others did, and I will find out what else the Lord will tell me. That night, God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned. It was a girl. It's a smart donkey. She turned. She turned off the road into the field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards and walls on both sides. So Balaam didn't see this angel. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam and he was angry and beat her with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. Ooh, donkey can talk. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, you have made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, I am not your own donkey, which you have always, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road and his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is reckless, one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. 
but I would have spared her. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went to the princes of Balak. This is the word of the Lord. Fun story, huh? <laughs> Man, it's good to see you here today. Glad that you're with us. Those of you that are with us online, super honored to have you guys here. I just gonna pray right now. I invite you to join me in prayer and let's just pray that God would speak to us here today. So Lord, we come to you recognizing, Lord, we need you. Lord, every single one of us, we desperately need you. Whether we realize it or not, we need you, God, today. And God, my prayer is that you would open our ears to hear what you would say to us, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would see all that you have for us, God. I, I pray that we would not be people, God, who just hear and just listen and just show up for church and go on our way, but Lord, may we desperately long to listen, learn, grow, and obey that which you want to speak to us and give us today, Lord. May we not assume that we're good soil, Lord. There might be things in our life that are crowding out your word and our, our ability to, to walk close to you and obey you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would soften the soil of our heart today, that we may receive, Lord, these words, and that it may grow and flourish and multiply. I pray that for every single one of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? remember reading and uh, hearing about this study years ago about the people from Okinawa, Japan. They actually live, on average, seven years longer than Americans do. And they have the longest disability-free life expectancy on planet Earth. And so lots of research was done on these people to discover why. What's going on? How do these people live? What is it that causes them to be so healthy and live so Long And so they found some key factors, and one of them was they eat off smaller plates, and they stop eating when they're about 80% full, which is maybe a good habit for some of us to begin, right? Uh, they also have an intentional setup where they are put into social groups as babies. This setup causes them to grow up with this group of people, and frequently they grow old with the same people they grew up with, thus creating the extremely tight-knit friendship group that they always have throughout the duration of their life. And that makes a big difference. But there was another key fact they found that really had an uh, impact on them, and it was their attitude towards retirement. Now, here in the Western culture, we think of retirement as like the golden age of life, right? Like that's the goal, that's the, I cannot wait till someday I am retired because then I can do whatever I want. I can play as much golf as I want. I, I, I can travel more. I can, uh, I just, I'm free from responsibility and clocking in and clocking out. It's kind of like the golden age of life that everyone's going after in our culture. But you know what the Okinawans call retirement? They don't. They have no word that even comes close to retirement. It's not part of their mindset or their vocabulary. Which I think, you know, just side note, if I can just go there just for a quick second. I, I love this concept, and I think that we should rethink our, our thoughts on retirement. I love the word transition as opposed to retirement. Retirement tends to breed this whole, like, I can't wait to get to the season of life where I can live just to please myself. But maybe it's a season where you're freer to do more kingdom things that God wants you to do than ever before in your life. Okay, maybe you're in a place financially now. You're free. You can do this. And I love it when I see retired people serving the kingdom, serving church, serving people, serving family. I love it. And I think that it should be not necessarily retirement, but a transition into a season where I can do more for the world and for the kingdom of God. And so I just love it when people have that mindset. I think we should all have that mindset. So the closest word that the Okinawans have to retirement is this word ikigai. Ikigai. That's what it looks like there. But how you say it is ikigai. It's a reason for being. So literally what that means is it's a reason for 
my existence. This is the reason that I get up in the morning. What is your ikigai? What's your reason for existence, the purpose of your life? Which, again, is, is the underlying theme of this whole series of God's plan. Do you know your purpose, the reason that you exist? What is it that motivates you to get up in the morning and live every single day? Do you have something? Do you have a compelling vision that just propels you forward every single day? It's important that we have that vision, that icky guy. If we don't have a compelling vision driving us forward in life, then we can find ourselves just kind of stuck in, in the same old, same old. We can get in a rut. You know what I'm saying? We can kind of get through the cycle of just going through the motions. Or even worse yet, we can find ourselves living somebody else's vision for our life. We need that compelling vision. What is that compelling that, that causes you to get up in the morning? This is my purpose. This is why I exist. You know, the number one regret of dying people, as surveyed by hospice nurses, by the way, is this. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected me to live. So many of them felt at the end of their life, I lived out the life that other people wanted for me, their expectations for me. I'm praying that you get a God-given vision for your life, and that's the thing that propels you forward every single day. You know who you are. You, you know who God has called you to be. You know what he's called you to do with your life. We all need a God-given vision. I think this is why Proverbs 29 speaks about this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We can't make it without vision. It is that important. I love how this translation says, where there is no prophetic vision, clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. This is what I'm praying for us, is that you would have clear, prophetic vision for who you are, for what God has called you to do in your life. Do you have that? Do you know what that is? It's so important that we know that we know this is who God has called me to be and what he's called me to do. A clear, prophetic vision. God wants to speak that to you. He wants to reveal that to you. And so in this series, we're talking about how does God speak to us? What, what are the ways that he reveals his will to us? And so we've gone through, I think, five of them so far. We're going to hit number six today. Uh, I was hoping to do more than that, but we're not going to get to uh, any more than just, just one more today. But here's where it starts. We've talked about this every week. I think it's important for us to hit this every week because we need this reminder. It starts with the primary will of God, to know him and make him known. That is God's vision for your life, his calling for your life. That is his will for your life, to know him and make him known, which shows us that God's will is not a destination that we reach. It's a journey. This is a lifelong process that you and I get to be on, that you and I actually get to enjoy. For the rest of our life, we're on this journey of just knowing him and then helping other people know him. So you never arrive there. It's just a journey for the rest of your life. Just lean into that relationship with God, helping other people grow in their relationship with him. God's really concerned about relationship. In fact, he's more concerned about relationship than performance. As important as performance and, and fruit and all that stuff is, he aspect is important too. We're called to make him known because we're called to help other people have relationship with God. So this is the part of God's will for our life right here, to know him and make him known. And that make him known, this is a big conviction for us here at our church. We really want to make sure that we lean into this the best that we can, that we're helping other people grow in their relationship with Jesus, that we're making disciples. That's a calling that we all have. It's a privilege that we all have as well, right? So think about this. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And then he said later on, go and make disciples. So when you connect those things, you would say, okay, if I love Jesus, I'm going to make disciples. Because I'm going to obey what he's asking me to do. It's important that we connect these things. And making disciples is such a clear, clear calling for all of us. And so I show God that I love him by walking obedience to doing that. In fact, in light of that, here's a question that I pose for all of us to just think about, to just wrestle. Is it possible for us to be a true follower of Jesus if we're not making disciples of him? Is it possible? 
I, I would say this. We can be saved and we're going to heaven and that's great, but we are missing out on true, what it means to be a true disciple, a true follower of Jesus if we're not helping other people become disciples of him. And I'm not throwing that out there to make you feel guilty because we want to help you with this. We want to help you grow in this. We want to help you step into this. It, it can feel overwhelming and scary. Uh, and that's why we have Discover Class, by the way. Discover Class, Amy mentioned it. Well, we have it today. It's just a simple next step to kind of help you just move forward. And we want to help equip you to figure out how can you be somebody that doesn't just know God, but also helps make him known in other people's lives. Now, this Go Group thing that we've been in for the last several months, this is one simple way that you and I can live this out. And so we want to help equip you with uh, a way to help other people grow, which, oh, good news, by the way, you and I will grow too as we help other people grow. So these go groups, Matt, as you start a go group, this is a way that you and I can just simply and practically live out making him known through our lives. Now, again, this is part of God's will for our life, right? This is the primary will of God. This is the, the thing that we need to always make sure that we are focusing on and we are living. We get stuck in trying to figure out all these other things, but God's very clear on his primary will. This is the thing we don't even need to pray about, friends, because it's so clearly laid out in his, in his word that we would help other people grow. Living on mission of Jesus. Primary will of God. Okay, so we want to make sure we, we, we lean into that the best that we possibly can. Then there's a secondary will of God. What is that? That's the, this calling we have, specific calling based upon our gifts, passions, values, and experiences. And so typically this would show us, reveal to us, what's my calling as far as vocation and career, even ministry. We're all called to ministry. You may never get paid to do ministry, but we're all called to do ministry. And so that all comes, that's the secondary will of God or the secondary calling that's based upon those four aspects of your life. And so I wanted to throw out another level of this to kind of help explain, maybe it paints a, a, a bigger picture, a better picture, a clearer picture of trying to discern what God's will is. And so we got the primary will, the secondary will, and we got the tertiary will, okay, which is how you would say the third will of God, the tertiary will which would be a way for us to describe the day-to-day -day will or the lifestyle will. This is you and I just living day-to-day, -day, facing decisions. How do we discover what God's will is in these decisions that we're making on a day-to-day -day basis? I, I'm doing the best I can to live the primary will. I, I got the career, the vocation that I know that God has called me to do, but then there's this day-to-day -day living that we're all in, right? And so I call this the tertiary will. And so as we're living this journey, it's important for us to learn to discern the will of God in a day-to-day -day basis. These are the things we need to pray about. The primary will of God, we don't need to pray about that, right? It's clear. Secondary will, this tertiary will, these are things we're praying about. God, speak to me. God, would you help me know and understand? And so there's nine ways that God will speak to us and reveal his will to us. We've covered five, the Holy Spirit, God's word, wise counsel, prophecy, and spiritual experiences. Today, we're gonna talk about circumstances, and how God uses circumstances to speak to us. He uses life to speak to us. So circumstances, let's talk about this. And when I say circumstances, this is what I mean. The events that surround our lives. Every event that surrounds our lives. God can use these. So I'll just start off by saying circumstances is possibly the most difficult of all of these things to discern how God is speaking to us. Because life's all over the place. And circumstances are very difficult to discern. And if we're not careful, we can become one of those people that just allows circumstances to dictate and determine our life. You hear what I'm saying? And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've seen this in other people before. But we live life according to circumstances. This happened, so this is where I'm at now. I guess this is, what's happened. This is my lot in life. And if we're not careful, we can develop the circumstance mindset, or we could even develop this victim mindset in life. Or because this happened, now I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do. Um, we, just, we can just blame our circumstances and then hope maybe tomorrow and next week things will turn out better. But we kind of live according to circumstances. We do not want circumstances to dictate our life. Yes, God can use them, but they don't determine who we are in our life. Jesus didn't conquer death so that you could live like you're still in the grave. Amen, right? 
He didn't rise victorious so you and I could live a defeated life. So that circumstances could just beat us down. That's not why Jesus rose from the dead. You and I have the Spirit of God living inside of us. That life-giving, empowering spirit. This is why Peter says, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. His divine power has given you everything you need. Your circumstances don't have to beat you down. And Paul said this to the Romans. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. We are more than conquerors. Everybody say more than conquerors. Man, I love that phrase. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul's talking about, hey, what can separate us from the love of God? As we walk through sufferings and trials and persecutions and pain and all that. No, 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 none of that because we are more than conquerors. This is who we are through him who loved us. Then he goes on to say, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because we are more than conquerors through him. Because of his spirit who is alive and at work in us. So we can't allow, we've got to be careful about circumstances. This is the whole thing I'm trying to share here, okay? If we're not careful, then our theology will conform to our reality. And the result is this, is that we have smaller and smaller expectations of who God is based upon what we see in our life, our circumstances and our reality. But if our reality is conformed by our theology, the result is going to be expectations that are continued to increase and grow and grow as you grow in believing God for anything in your life. We want to see God do greater things. You want to see God perform miracles. You want to see, we all want to see more people change by the life-saving power of God's love. We long to see more salvations, and when we don't see those things, we don't say, oh, well, we tried. Oh, I prayed, and I guess that's, you know, no. When we don't see those things, we keep praying. We keep believing. We don't come to this place where I guess God isn't going to do this or doesn't want to do this anymore. No, he wants to. And so we want to make sure that that reality is conformed by our theology. And so circumstances are not going to dictate or determine how we live and how we approach life. And so... As it comes to discovering and discerning God's will, even through circumstances, we've got to make sure that it's also not going against Scripture. We don't interpret Scripture through circumstances. We interpret circumstances through Scripture. It's very important that we approach that properly. So, circumstances. What an interesting topic. I struggled through this one as I've been studying this for a long time, actually, but especially this week. This is definitely a way that God reveals his will to us, but we need the help of the Holy Spirit so, so much on this one. Help me discern this. I need understanding. This is where we need Holy Spirit's help, word of God. We need godly counsel, and I would even say pray for the gift of discernment. God, fill me with discernment. I want that gift that you talk about in your word of discernment so I can understand what's going on here. Because God can and will use circumstances. There's a guy named Moses who's doing his job like he did every single day. He walks, he's walking through the desert. He sees a bush on fire. What does he do? I mean, he could have just gone on and said, that's weird. But he decided to approach the bush. He came to this burning bush and that one instance, that circumstance he stumbled across changed his future forever and the entire people of God, the Israelites. So God uses these circumstances in life to come to us, to speak to us, to reveal things to us. You take that story further, and Moses went to free the Israelites from the Egyptians, and Pharaoh saw ten incredible miracles by God. You would have thought he would get the point. Like, this God of the Israelites, he's pretty powerful. He can do anything. Like, he just, he just didn't get the point, and it didn't turn out well for him or the Egyptians. And so God uses circumstantial events to speak to us. One of the strangest stories in Scripture, and there's a lot of strange ones, by the way. There's a lot, actually. We did a whole series several years ago called Stranger Things about Elijah and then Elisha. That was, a, that was a phenomenal series. Awesome. And those guys were, those guys were strange. Talk about stranger people, stranger things. So uh, 
One of the strangest stories, though, is the story that, that Amy just read of Balaam and his donkey that talk. This is like something out of Shrek right here, guys. Does anybody think of that as you're reading this? Like, this is, this is crazy. This is one of those stories where there's lots of atheists and non-believers who would say, well, look at that story. And donkeys don't talk. So there's no way that this book can be true. There's no way we can trust this book because it, it, you, it's forcing you to believe a story about a donkey talking. And if you're just looking at it realistically, valid point. I understand completely where you're coming from, actually, and I don't disagree with that statement except for this. If God exists and if God created all of the galaxies and the universe and, and the heavens and the earth and all of plants and life and animals and, and everything exists out of nothing and it became something because of God, then I think it's pretty easy for God to make a donkey talk. That's pretty small in comparison to creating everything out of nothing. So that's the premise that we start, start with, okay? So as men and women of faith, we understand that, yes, there are some crazy things, but we accept them based upon the faith, based upon the fact that we know that Jesus said, I was, I'm going to die, but then I'm going to conquer death, and then he pulled it off. That's crazy. So this is one of those stories, right? And it's, it's a fun story, interesting story. There's so much that we could pull out of the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. But if you'll notice, God told Balaam what to do. And so he sent the people back on their way. But then they came back with another offer. And Balaam should have just said, guys, done. No, I mean, and his answer sounded like he was on the right track. But he really wasn't. In his heart, he wasn't. He's like, oh, okay, well, let me go and ask God again. <laughs> let me go see if God maybe has changed his mind. Like, okay, so we can do this too, guys. We can be just like Balaam. Maybe God doesn't fully understand what's going on here i got to explain this a little bit more to God. This is dangerous. i got to help God out a little bit kind of a thing. Uh, he's kind of, okay, let me see if God has something else or something new or something different. Maybe i got to tell God. And so later, scriptures reveal to us the motives of Balaam. You may not see it clearly in this, but we see it very clearly later on. Balaam was in this for the love of money, even though he said he wasn't. Like, look at this scripture. Peter talks about this later on, 2 Peter chapter 2. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Okay, so we get insight into Balaam's heart. Balaam is greedy. He knows what God has told him to do, but he's too greedy. He's kind of blinded by this his wrong motives. And it just shows us, guys, our motives can cloud our judgment. Our motives can hinder our ability to discern what God's will is in certain situations in our life. You know that phrase, listen to your heart? Like, what is your heart telling you? What does your heart say? It's a very popular phrase in the world, right? Listen to your heart. Remember that song? Listen to your heart when it's calling to you. Listen to your heart. Not, I used to have a dance I did to that song, so that's why. Okay, so listen to your heart is a very unbiblical phrase, actually, because your heart can lead you astray. If we're allowing our selfish motives and the flesh to rise up, then you do not want to listen to your heart. You want to listen to the Spirit of God. That's who you want to listen to. Let the Spirit lead you in your life, okay? Because sometimes God could just do what he's doing to Balaam here. Okay, fine. Have it your way. Go ahead. See how that goes for you. Because God can... And does do that. So Balaam is on this journey. His faithful donkey sees the angel three times. Balaam doesn't. Balaam's upset, right? He's upset. He can't see the angel. And he beats his donkey three times. It's interesting. He was so upset with what was going on. He was so upset with his circumstances that he couldn't see what God was doing. He couldn't see God revealing himself to him. You see that thing that's, that's frustrating you? That thing that's causing you anxiety or frustration or even anger? It could be God trying to stop you. 
trying to protect you, trying to come to you. This is why we got to be careful, guys, is we got to pray, God, help me to discern what's going on because my emotions, my selfishness, my flesh could get in the way of what God is trying to speak to me. Balaam's so upset by the very thing that's stopping him, this circumstance that he finds himself in, this thing that's blocking him from his way that he wants to go, <laughs> that he missed what God's trying to tell him. And what's hilarious about this story is the fact that Balaam has an actual legitimate conversation with his donkey. And he acts like this isn't weird. Did you notice that? I mean, most of us, our first thought would have been like, what? How are you talking? He is so mad and so angry, he is talking right back at the donkey like this is a normal thing. Like, apparently they've done this before. He threatens to kill the donkey Beats it, like, and now, just kind of as a little side note, like, if your donkey or animal starts talking, you don't want to kill that thing. That thing could make you lots of money. I want to think, how can I maximize this now? This is, this is amazing. This is awesome. He is so angry and upset. He just wants to beat this thing to death. And he almost misses. This donkey saves his life. Did you catch that? Saved his life. So there are times in life where we can miss things that God could clearly be trying to show us, but our emotions have clouded it. God speaks to us through circumstances. Sometimes this happens, what I like to call just opening and closing doors. Opening and closing doors. This, again, this is why circumstances is so difficult to discern. Because sometimes God will close a door that eventually wants us to go through, but he closes it now. And so you're like, okay, well, so what is it, God? Maybe he just wants you to wait. Maybe you need to grow a little bit. Maybe it's, that's for later on in life. Maybe you've got to rethink your motives and your check your heart. And then God wants, you know, so that's, this is where it's like, okay, God, give me discernment here on how to understand what's going on. And we can find ourselves getting to this place where it's like, I want this and I want it now. And I don't want to wait. That's, that's Balaam, Right? Like, this is what I want, this is what I'm going after, and he, he's just so fixated on that that he is, has this inability to discern what God is trying to speak to him. So it's closed doors and open doors. And God can show us his will. He can help us in making decisions simply by opening some doors and closing some doors. I pray this often, by the way. As I'm praying and trying to figure out, okay, God, where do you want to lead me, lead us? Would you open the right door? Or would you close the right door? As we knock on this, I'm going to knock on a specific door, God. If this is the right door, just open it or close it. Just let, let us know based upon what happens through this. I love Revelations 3, verse 7. It says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. God, you've got the divine ability to close and open doors and so I'm just praying for your will to be clearly revealed and shown to me. God, if this is it, open it. Fling wide open that door clearly for me to see. Remember when I was a junior in high school, I went to visit a college called Northwest College. And I went with my youth pastor. I don't even remember why I went on this trip, by the way. I was just trying to think about why did I go on this trip to Northwest College? It was a Christian college. It was a Bible college. I wonder if my, my youth pastor had told me like, or convinced me, let's go play basketball there or something like that, or let's go and meet the basketball team. There must have been something. Like, I don't even remember why I was there, but somehow I ended up on this trip with a bunch of friends and my youth pastor, and we got to experience Northwest. It was my first time going to experience kind of college dorm life, which was kind of fun and kind of cool. And uh, he, this is the college he went to. My youth pastor went there and, and studied the Bible, got his ministry degree, and so I got to hear lots of crazy stories. Can I just say, some of the craziest, wildest stories of college I've ever heard come from current pastors and youth pastors. They're crazy. They're crazy people, right? So uh, he was telling me about how all the phone lines and that entire, like, mile block, city block of this, this college is in Kirkland, Washington. They all came into the closet of the dorm room. And so their, his buddies had figured out how to tap into the phone lines. This is back in the 80s. They would tap into the phone lines and they would just use it to call long distance, whatever they want. They could call home and they didn't have to pay, pay any money to call long distance. Well, that's kind of a federal no-no. 
FBI showed up, you know, as these guys are tapping into lines, and they got in trouble. So he's telling me all these stories. I'm like, wow, college is crazy. Like, seriously. Then he he took me to the place where he blew up a hole in the football field, and he got kicked out of Bible college. I'm like, my youth pastor got kicked out of Bible college. This is great. And this is the guy training and discipling me. Awesome. (laughs) So um, it was a good experience. After a couple of days, I remember, you know, going to class, you know, they prayed in class, which is something I hadn't experienced ever in my public education life, and meeting some of the basketball team and all that. It was great. After a couple of days, I remember looking at the, the list of majors that that school offered, and I'm like, there's nothing that interests me here. All right, it was good. It was a fun trip. And so once you know, 18 months later, and this is the part of the story that I have shared in this series here. That's why I kind of connect us here and share this story. 18 months later, I sense God's calling me to be a pastor. And so my mind begins to wander, like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. Where do I go? And all of a sudden, I, be, I began to think back to that trip that I went to, that, that random college that I had no desire to go to. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that's right. They, I can study the Bible and study ministry there. 18 months later, God uses that trip that I had gone on and just as a reminder of like, okay, this is where you're going to go next to explore this journey that I have you on. And then I had to start the awesome journey of figuring out how am I going to pay for college? And so I'm knocking on doors, you know, God's opening doors, closing doors, and I'm doing all of that, trying to figure out, God, okay, God, if this is your will, then you need to help kind of open doors and kind of provide the way for this for me. And he does. This is amazing how God just opens doors and closes doors for us. It's fascinating to use simple circumstances in life to show us his will. So just a couple what I might call life principles based upon circumstances as we bring this to a close here. One is this, open doors and closed doors may or may not be God. (laughs) I just love that. It might be, but it might not be. But it might be, and it could be, and I might need some more information to confirm if this is God. I need to test it out a little bit more. I need to check it out with some godly counsel. I heard one person say, you know, don't give up. Never forget, you know, when God opened a door for me to appear in Playboy. And I'm thinking, okay, did God open that door for you? I'm not sure that that lines up with scripture. That I'm not sure that's a door God wants to open for you. But this person totally credited God for opening that door. I'm like, uh, again, it's got to line up with scripture too. God will open and close doors. Okay, so... Um, But circumstances can be confusing because it may be God, it may not be God. An open door might be a blessing, um, but it might be a trap too. That's why I love circumstances. Just like, come on, Tyrone, help me out a little bit better here. Closed doors aren't necessarily curses either. It might be a sign for you to persevere. It might be God simply protecting. Open doors and closers. They may or not be God. Also this, when it comes to circumstances. Circumstances can speak to us or we can speak to circumstances. So now I got to discern which one here. It's not always clear. So God help me. Give me the clarity in this. You ever look for a house to buy or a house to rent and you found the right one and you're like, you're, you're excited about it and then you found out it was already taken? That ever happened to you? I remember when we moved here, this happened. I found an awesome house just, just not far from here that I wanted to rent. Called my agent. Agent looked into it. He's like, someone got it yesterday. I was like, ah. Well, closed door, right? Pretty clear. You know, Amy and I recently were looking for cars. We drove all the way to South Scottsdale, and there's a super cool car that would kill her price. It was a 2020, so it wasn't brand new, but it only had 1,500 miles on it. So it's very, it basically is brand new, but a used car price. And so we got there. The guy looked into it and says, oh, someone bought it yesterday. Ah, bummer. It's like, he's like, yeah, and here's the crazy story. It was some family here on vacation from California. They saw this deal. They couldn't pass it up. And so on vacation, they bought this car. <laughs> so closed door. Pretty clear, right? All right, God, close that door. Okay, God, all right. So we're just kind of praying. Okay, God, open the right door. We're trying to discern how God's going to speak to us through these circumstances. Sometimes it's maybe because we're too slow. Maybe I was too slow in a couple of those, those instances, right? 
But here's what I do know is that when it is God who does the actual closing of the door, he always does it in love. You've got to understand, it is always because he loves us. Don't allow yourself to get bent out of shape by the closed door. Don't get all upset, get all emotional because of the no. Because God's no's are kind of like, you know, like stoplights and stop signs. They're there to protect us, to guide us, to help us. You know, could you imagine this scenario? What if you saw somebody get out of their car and start yelling at the stoplight? How dare you? Who do you think you are telling me to stop? Like, that would be really weird. It wouldn't make any sense. Because we, like, there's the reason for all of that, yet we can do that. Who are you? You don't have my best interest in mind. Isn't it ironic how we question the stops from God, but we don't question the, the green lights? <laughs> you know, here as a church, we've knocked on some doors to try to really develop our property and just believe in for God to use this property in greater ways. And so far, all those doors keep closing. It's like, oh, that's a bummer. You know, close, 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 close. But we're just in a season again where we're like, let's start knocking on some doors again. So maybe God has something more for this church and this property. I want to knock on some doors. Would you join us in prayer? Say, God, use this church, use this property for your glory. And say, Holy Spirit, lead us because we're going to be knocking on some doors to see what happens. Circumstances. What an interesting topic, huh? We can find ourselves in situations that we need to speak to. Remember I said circumstances can't speak to us, but sometimes we need to speak to them. So let me just speak to this just for a brief moment because you will come across things in life that you need to speak to because you cannot allow that circumstance to dictate and determine your life and your future. And there are some things that are clearly against the will of God that you need to speak to. We can't get stuck in this victim mentality. They're like, oh, this happened. Oh, okay. woe is me, woe is me. You know, God doesn't, you know, I guess it's not going to happen, all this. Excuse, excuse, excuse based upon circumstances. But Jesus says there's some mountains you're going to have to speak to. Matthew 17, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? This demon that was in a man. Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. There are gonna be mountains, friends, you gotta to speak to, that you gotta call out. There's gonna be circumstances in your life that you need to speak to and declare God's word over, and declare God's truth over. And oftentimes what I've learned is it's not just necessarily speaking to that specific circumstance, but sometimes it's speaking to the spirit behind it. We're speaking to what's going on spiritually because that's where the battle is, right, friends? It's not in people or maybe the event, what's going on. It's, it's the principalities is what Ephesians 6 says. I'm going to speak to that. I'm going to declare God's truth, God's power over that. There's going to be circumstances you got to speak to so that God's will can, be, can take place in that situation. So circumstances, they will speak to us, but sometimes we gotta to speak to them. Very, very important topic in discerning God's will, but nonetheless, very difficult one. But I'm praying that you have the ability to discern. The, the gift of discernment in your life is what I'm praying for you. To know how God comes to you in these circumstances and how you need to respond as a man and woman of faith. And I love that we talked about pain and suffering last week because this is another one of those circumstances that God uses. It falls under the category of circumstances. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so we don't need to go into depth again in talking about that message that Pastor John Mark gave us last week, but let me just say this. Do you believe God can use anything? Do you believe that God can bring good in anything. This is a promise from his word that he wants to bring good out of anything, out of pain, out of 
hardship, out of trial, out of tragedy. God wants to bring good. Can, he will, if we let him. C.S. Lewis said something fascinating. He said, the pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Sometimes pain is the only thing that gets people's attention. It's the only way God, people will come to God and say, okay, God, I hear you. I see you. God can use pain. Balaam's leg was crushed because his donkey crushed up against a wall. It took three painful things for Balaam to go, oh, what's going on here? God can use pain. And what's interesting is, think about it, some of the best things come out of pain and tragedy. As Pastor John Mark talked about, even the birth of a child, out of labor in that. The whole like Amber Alert system that we have, that's awesome, born out of tragedy. Some of the greatest music and art ever written, born out of tragedy. One of the songs we love to sing around here, It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul, written out of tragedy. The Columbine High School shooting back in 99, there has been multiple organizations and movements that have been birthed out of that tragedy. I mean, we could go on and on for, forever, but God can bring good out of tragedy and maybe he wants to birth good out of struggle, trial, and tragedy. God can use those circumstances for your good, friends. That's the whole point. And let's not forget the greatest of all, friends, is that you and I can be free from sin, experience forgiveness of sin, we can be in relationship with God all because Jesus went through the cross. As tragic as that was, his friends, people are like, why, why, why? It doesn't make sense, but through the cross, freedom comes. Hope comes. Forgiveness, eternal life comes because Jesus went through the cross. Aren't you thankful for that, friends? Aren't you thankful for that? Why don't we stand to our feet right now? Let's pray. Let's just pause right here. Close your eyes and let's just pause. Let's just say, okay, God, what are you speaking to me today? Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? simply you and I creating space just to listen to God, to grow in our ability to hear his voice. Some of you, God is saying, I place my spirit inside of you. You are strong. You can rise above your circumstances. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Won't rise up. So God is speaking to you. Some of you, God, is, is, is revealing who he is to you and, and the fact that you need to say yes to him and begin that life-changing relationship with him. If that's you, say yes to Jesus today. Commit to following him. Surrender your whole life to him. Put your trust in him. And just ask him to forgive you of your sins, your past. Find the freedom and forgiveness he has, this purpose he has for you. Step into the will of God, which is a relationship with him. Do that today. God, for all of us, I pray for a spirit of discernment. Lord, a gift of discernment. Lord, I pray that for every single one of us, Lord, that we may be able to discern and understand who you are, what you're doing, how you're speaking to us, how you're coming to us, Lord. And I just pray, God, that we would crucify the flesh in our life. We would die to our sin, past, Lord, and and. and and live in that spirit-led life that you have for us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, empower us. Right now, I pray. I want to just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you more than ever. 
Well, let's get hungry for the Spirit of God to fill our lives right now. Come on, let's get just desperate for more of Him in our life. We need His power, His presence more and more and more. Come on, just ask Him to fill you, to consume you. Just get hungry. Seek Him. Go after Him. Do you want more of Him? Do you want to uh, know Him better, know Him more? Do you want to, to see Him more clearly in your life? Come on, just begin to seek Him and ask Him right now. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move. Lord, for those that are joining us online, Lord, would you speak to them? Would you fill them right now? Holy Spirit, that you would fall. Holy Spirit, fall. Afresh and anew, we need you right now, God. We need you right now. Lord, with your peace. Fill our lives with your peace. Your peace, Lord. Mm. Mm. Lord, give us insight. Pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.